The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. There is a disconnect between our actual finances and our feelings about them. Don't let anxiety about money dominate your thoughts. That's a big issue. And even multimillionaires are worried about money. That's the introduction to our guest and topic coming up now on First Person. The subject is retirement, and the guest, Eric Thurman, is the author of Thrive in Retirement. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. Anyone in midlife or beyond is certainly given some thought, if not plans, for retirement in some fashion. To help, we'll explore that with our guest in just a moment. With the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, these conversations are meant to encourage you in your daily faith as they tell the stories of people who are giving their lives to the Lord and learning to follow Him with their calling. When you go to febc.org, you'll be able to watch video stories of God at work through FEBC. You'll also see how you can pray for this gospel ministry. It all starts at febc.org. Once again, febc.org. Our guest, Eric Thurman, has had a successful career, but his mission now is helping people find meaning and enjoyment in the last third of life. He's written a book on retirement, so... I began by asking him if he was retired. Well, that's an interesting word. I have mixed feelings about it. (laughs) My publisher wanted me to use the word retirement in the title because I originally was going to suggest it be called the Thrive Guide. Okay. But they said people wouldn't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And the only term that the general public knows talking about this season of life is retirement. So I am retirement age, maybe a little bit beyond, but I don't I don't like retirement. I don't like anything about it. I mean, yeah. if I retire a shirt or a pair of shoes, it means I'm discarding it <laughs> and throwing it away and I don't uh, have that view of life. In fact, you know what? I looked in my concordance and I couldn't find the word retirement. It's yeah, not I was in there. thinking about that. Right. But do you do you find any uh, principles about retirement in the, in the scriptures? The scriptures have a lot to say about the season of life. Okay. And one of them that just leaps out at me is Psalm ninety two fourteen that says that in old age, here's what you should expect: expect to bear fruit in old age, stay fresh and green. Hmm. Now, that's that's a great promise. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The the thing that happens is the world has told us that we're like a milk carton that says, you know, best by such and such a date. <laughs> and uh, the world has told us that we're best by age 65. And after uh-huh. 65, you're just supposed to kick back, play, and relax. Sure. But that isn't God's view. He didn't say that. In fact, what he said instead in Ephesians 2.10 is, I have designed things in advance for you to do, and the most fruitful time of your life may actually be in these retirement years, and that's exactly what Psalm 92 is saying. Why do we have to be the age that you and I are to be thinking about these things? Shouldn't we be thinking about this, you know, in our 30s and 40s? Well, the principles that are being talked about in the book are things that apply whether you're 16 or 60 or 80. Uh, but I don't want anybody to feel bad, certainly not my friend Wayne, uh, to, if you are uh, wondering, why didn't I think about this before? Did you know that Billy Graham once said, all my life people have been telling me how to die, but nobody told me how to grow old? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's good for us to be thinking about it. And there's another reason why we haven't thought about it. 
and that is that we haven't had this season of life before in human history. Okay. Right now, this year is the first time in American history, or maybe even the history of the world, where the number of people over age 60 outnumbers the number of people 18 and under. Yeah, you talk about that in your book. We're living longer. We are living much longer, and not just longevity, but the quality of life is good. We're active and agile. Uh, The numbers are a little deceptive because what really we should be looking at is if you make it to 65, your likelihood of making it much further is high. In fact, I find that I need to be thinking about what I'm going to do when I'm age 100. (laughs) Is that right? That's right. Uh, The centenarians, they're called. Uh I never even had heard that (laughs) word before. But uh, people who are age 100 are the fastest growing segment of the U.S. population on a percentage basis. No kidding. It's soaring. In fact, that group is growing at a rate that's 20 times faster on a percentage basis than the population as a whole. Okay. As I read your book, uh, Thrive in Retirement, I thought about my dad. My dad was an auto worker who retired at age 55. He worked for General Motors. 30 mm-hmm. years at General Motors, you can retire at full benefits. Mm-hmm. He retired at 55. Mm-hmm. Basically, did nothing in mm-hmm. retirement. Didn't travel a whole lot. Went mm-hmm. camping once in a while, maybe fishing once in a while, yeah. but didn't do a whole lot. That's That doesn't look like retirement today, does it? It's different for people no, today, in fact, isn't it? There was a massive study done by uh, the of the employees of Shell Oil over uh, an extended period of time, the worldwide employees, and they found that people that took early retirement like that died earlier, younger, mm-hmm. than the ones who lived to full retirement. It, it seems to be true. Why is that? Well, I think it's because there are certain elements that God designed into us that our lives are supposed to be meaningful. We're supposed to be constantly learning and growing. Uh, and that is the sort of thing that if we're not, you have not only the problem of physically dying, but you you could have dementia and things like that that come in that can be dramatically affected by whether you have warm relationships, whether you're growing and learning, whether you're being stretched by the kinds of activities you're doing. And that for the believer is including kinds of service you're mm-hmm. doing. So do we have this artificial line that's drawn at age 65 that say, okay, now you should be retired? Yes. Uh, I think it's completely artificial uh, because the longevity has changed so much. When Social Security came in and they set retirement age at, at around 65, uh, the average life expectancy was 55. Mm-hmm. So they didn't expect there'd be a lot of people then. Yeah, it doesn't mean life can't change. Uh, at that age, it, it can evolve into something different, but it doesn't need to shut down, does it? Yeah, I think that there's a, a hair to split here that's really important. On one hand, it is important to realize that there is life beyond 65 and embrace it. But the other one is not to underestimate the change. There should be tons mm-hmm. of change. Mm-hmm. So you hit 65 and you likely have another 20, 30, maybe even 40 years to go. Um don't just think you're going to cruise. You have to give that some thought. Did anything happen major in your life in the last 30 years? <laughs> but why do we think that we can just kick back and relax and, you know, get the rocking chair and the sweaters out? We're yeah, happy yeah, yeah. Uh, because we'll come up on some surprises. We have a lot to shape our future when we hit this season of life. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, we were talking earlier about what the scriptures say or, or don't say about the word retirement. Of course, that isn't a concept that's in the Bible. But, uh, you know, continuing to remain faithful and yes. fruitful is there. Yes. Uh, did that surprise you to read that when you went looking? Well, I uh, have always liked John 15 
It's one of my favorite sections of the Bible where that's the parable of the vine and the branches. And uh, <laughs> I actually reread it. You know how it is when you read scriptures and something jumps off the page oh, at you? always a yeah. new, new uh, facet well, of truth well, that you find. Sure. Here's one of the shocking things I noticed in John 15 that I'd never noticed before. Do you know that Jesus actually said, you can do nothing? Apart from me. Yes. So that's exactly the point. I don't want to be apart from the Lord Jesus. I want to be connected, and I want to be fruitful. That's what happens when we are connected to him. And then I read back in the the Psalms where it says that, well, be fruitful in old age. So, yeah, I want to be fruitful. That gives life meaning and purpose. So how do we thrive in retirement? That's your theme, thriving. How do we thrive in retirement? I wanted to make it a positive thing. Uh, That's why I love the word thrive. It's kind of a biblical uh, concept because God wants good things for his people. And I, I want to love the Lord with all my heart and soul and mind and energy and time and the rest, because I believe that's the way to have the robust, abundant life. Uh, and so what does it mean in practice? Well, it means that all areas of my life are under his lordship and I'm growing. If I just feel like I'm, I'm being scolded or I'm doing less than I ought to, that, that's discouraging. I instead want to reach for the robust life. And to do that, I had to think through what are the parts of life. And this I'm quite sure of. There's only five major sections in life, and I can examine each of those to see how I'm doing in relationship to my faith. Those five parts are my mind, my body, my relationships, my finances, and my soul. And so a person is thriving when all five of those areas are strong. And so what I actually did in the course of developing this material, I examined myself, and I realized there are a couple of areas that I was neglecting. In fact, one of them, relationships, was my worst area, that I had cordial friendships. You and I have known each other off and on for years, mm-hmm. but we haven't talked to each other for years. Right. You know, So I just realized I have to up my ante here to get serious about reconnecting and, and forging tight bonds. It's, it's really important at this stage of yeah. life. Of course, health can play a major factor in making any decision about, mm-hmm. you know, changing the pace of life or mm-hmm. retirement, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and people listening are all sorts of different circumstances, both with health and with finances. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, let's take them one at a time. Let's take health first. Okay. Um, I have learned a lot from the Paralympics. If what those people do is amazing. And what I found as I got to know some of those people and researched them is that People who hit a physical crisis tend to go one of two directions. They either go toward a reduction and, and feel like they've lost something and they never quite recover from that, or they have a determination that they're going to compensate with the other skills and strengths that they have. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they wind up accomplishing things that they couldn't have done when they were able-bodied. Isn't that something? It is something. Yeah. And so when you think about the five parts of life again, let's say one part is weak then ramp up the others is the thing that you compensate that way because there's meant to be fullness of life. That's, that's the nature of the faith is that God intends us to have fullness of life. That doesn't mean that you and I have exactly the same things. Like, I'm not nearly as good looking as you are, but somehow God lets <laughs> me compensate I didn't want to bring that, that up. But <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's one. Do uh, you want to dive into the finances side? Yes, just for a moment. Okay, the quick information about that is that there is a disconnect between our actual finances and our feelings about them. Factually speaking, very few older people are starving to death. 
Uh, if you go back a couple of generations, about 30% of older adults were in dire financial straits. Today, the poverty rate among older adults is no different than the general population. It's under 10% in terms of people that are really in financial crisis. And if you're in a financial crisis, the, the church and others can help you with that. But if you're not, don't let anxiety about money dominate your thoughts. That's a big issue. And even multimillionaires are worried about money. We have much more to talk about. Our guest is Eric Thurman, the author of Thrive in Retirement. I decided to escape North Korea after listening to FEBC's broadcast. I was able to keep my faith firm by listening to your programs. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. My guest is Eric Thurman, who is the author of Thrive in Retirement, Simple Secrets for Being Happy for the Rest of Your Life. What a stimulating conversation, uh, Eric. Thanks for coming to the studio today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, we were talking about finances. I want to go a little deeper on that, if we may, because this is the area where so many of us worry about the so-called retirement years, our older years, when we want to you know, make a change in life. You know, We don't have to do the same thing for our entire life. Right. But how are we going to support ourselves in doing that? Yeah. Well, about 80% of people uh, will work after they have finished their traditional job, work past age 65, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. I think that one of the huge benefits to that is the social contact because people are more damaged by isolation than anything. In fact, right now, people over 65, the rate of clinical depression is 40%. Really? This is not just sadness. This is deep hurt. And the reason for that is we've isolated ourselves. Sometimes we have been forced into it, but I, I've got a person, a family member that I deeply love. I won't name, but uh, she is grieving the fact that she doesn't have any of her kinfolk nearby, but she doesn't fraternize with the neighbors. You know, So use FaceTime and Skype and so forth to talk to the people you love, but also, you got to have some flesh and blood. Yeah, there's going to be contact. human contact yes, there. Human you contact can't, that's can't really be isolated. Important. So that that's one thing. So working can be a benefit for that because mm-hmm. you are meeting some people. Even if you complain about your coworkers, right. you're getting some human contact. That's right. really important. Okay. Um, the other thing is, don't get your security from money. Hmm. I mean, that's just is such a strong principle in the word. Uh, that's something God has for us to understand. God provides for his people, and I've been particularly appreciative of a, a friend's work. guy's name is Brian Cluth. He's been part of a study that was designed to help pastors who have retired and didn't have big enough retirement plans to think through what God will provide for them. And he came up with 10 ways that God provides in addition to a paycheck. Why do we think just of money then? Yeah, exactly. Right. He does some amazing things. So anyway, I can have that available on my yeah, website well, under the free resources okay. if anybody would like to see Brian's work. So we'll put links to you on our website, firstpersoninterview.com, okay. and follow up to this conversation. But describe again what this is. This is a list of 10 ways with things that you'll recognize, many of them, but some of them will be eye-opening, uh, that 
God provides for people so that they can live okay. healthy, robust lives. It was commissioned for pastors, but it goes beyond those in the It past. applies to many of us. Yeah, yes, I've I, learned from well, it. Well, thanks for that resource. You have other resources. You've yeah. done the research for us, which I appreciate. Yeah. The thing that uh, people have often asked me is, I don't know where to get started. And I think one of the best ways to get started is with a self-assessment. And so there is a website I developed for that that's a confidential quiz, kind of like the old game 20 questions. Uh-huh. It's 20 multiple-choice questions. Tick them off, and you'll immediately get a report back that will give you an idea of where you are. Just be careful about how you think about the areas that you're low. Don't think of those as, oh, I'm bad. Think instead about, this is my opportunity zone. For me, mine, like I mentioned earlier, was that I needed to get more serious about valuing the relationships and spending more time with people I love. Let's talk about the attitude of those who are not older, but maybe they discriminate. Is that a right word? The right word to use uh, uh, towards show discrimination towards older people because, yes. well, you know, we we don't really need you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think there has been a lot happening. That's uh, even in the church. We've picked up the culture of the society. We've been a youth-oriented culture. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed in the last just even five years? That commercials on TV, how many people with gray hair are showing yeah. up? Well, the baby boomer generation is really the, the – isn't it the largest still? It is. Well, it, it, there's just an enormous importance because the disposable income yes. is dominant in that group. True. There are 10,000 people a day in the United States that turn 65. So <laughs> I, I heard that recently. Yeah. And that, that was shocking. Yeah, there's a lot of us. <laughs> so, And the other thing I think we're discovering is that these are active years and engaged years. And whatever else is, we may be getting older, but nobody is feeling old and doesn't want to be called old. Mm-hmm. And I would call on all of us as believers to rethink something else that has occurred and it's present even in the church, which is we've segregated the generations. Yes. And that, again, is not a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is one generation teaches the other, and we need to find ways to engage. Uh, Think about it in your community. How many single-parent heads of households are there? And they're just worked to death. And how many lonely older adults are there that could use some kids to relate with? Well, can you bring them together and make virtual grandmothers and grandparents? Fathers. And I think we we put up with this segregation uh, unknowingly. For instance, uh, when we describe our church services as contemporary or traditional, yes, that yes. tends to fall upon uh, age lines, which separates us, doesn't yeah. it? It, yes. it? It doesn't build the whole body. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about just who is dominant in a given area. You and I live in the western suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. In our area, the last census showed that over a six-year period— that the young family uh, population was pretty level, hadn't changed much. But the people over 65 grew 35%. Hmm. So when we start thinking about who we want to reach, it's nice for a church to say, I'd like to have more young families. By all means, do everything you can to serve them or the college students or the high school kids or the babies, the rest, do all of that. But don't neglect the fact that the big audience and the – I like to do a little play on the words that Jesus said, the fields are white under harvest. Maybe the white is the white hair that we <laughs> ought to be looking at. How can we reach these people? And it isn't going to be just with potlucks. <laughs> what it's going to be is that in these five areas of life, we're showing how God has a better plan. Do you know, for example, we, we think of drug addiction as being a uniquely youth problem. It's not. Uh, drug abuse is soaring among older people. Prescription Suicide drugs. Suicide mm-hmm. is 
uh, soaring and gray divorce is multiplying. Yeah, and that's sad. Yes, it is because we haven't shown the answers. We got to find ways to connect with these people and show them how the Lord Jesus has redemption for all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you talk about this in your book. I didn't look for this or not, but I know that you went through the death of your wife. Yes. And remarriage. Yes. Uh, how did that affect your attitude about growing older? Well, <laughs> I have lots of thoughts about that. That could be another book. I, uh, I found myself when my wife died thinking uh, the Bible is very clear that the Lord would make two one. He didn't tell me how he undoes that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was a really yeah. painful experience, and it was for my I can't new wife too, painful, who right. she was widowed for uh, seven years before we married. So, but let's just point out this: this is wisdom from good old King Solomon, Ecclesiastes seven four. It says, a wise person thinks a lot about death, and a fool thinks only about having a good time. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. Which is the thought process in the Western society in America? Was we think about having a good time when we retire. We need to be thinking about our death, and it doesn't have to be a morbid thing. I I think that uh, it's a healthy thing. So when a spouse dies, I mean, many people, I I believe— think, well, you know, then that means my life is nearly over, so I just shut down. That is the decision I had to confront, that I realized when my wife died that I was going to go one of two directions. I was either going to live life forward and rediscover and reinvent myself, that sort of thing, uh, or I was going to shut down. And I made a willful choice to choose life because if I picked a single word that uh, encompasses everything I know about what God's doing with the human race— it's life. He breathed life into us, and the Lord Jesus sacrificed himself to give us life, uh, and so we have eternal life, and uh, how to grab life is a really key issue. So, Well, thanks for letting me ask about that. Oh, uh, I think that's a very important— uh, There is a whole chapter, to... by the way, on what I call the good death. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I do recall that. Moses said, teach us to number our days. Yes. You've thought about that. Yeah. Uh, actually, the rest of that uh, statement— If you go to uh, Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, that's how you gain a heart of wisdom. So if I want to be wise about this stage of life, I have to begin by numbering my days. And I have a recommendation for how to do that. Please, please let me know what that is. Well, it's actually two numbers. It's bookends. My days are going to be somewhere probably between these two. The first number is today. Uh, I need to be ready to die today. That means that I need to have my personal affairs in order. Uh, Got to be careful about this. The thing that tears up families more than anything is a parent dies and hasn't made stuff clear, and you get to wrestling through how do you find the password to their email. And stuff. Yeah, and you have all this in your book, it which is, is very helpful. Yes, there's uh, worksheets in there that mm-hmm, help you yeah. do that. Uh, and then the other date is 100 years, you know, at, at age 100, mm-hmm. wherever you are. I was talking to somebody the other day, said, my dad's 91. He's still looking for, well, good, because he could have another 10 years. So I think it's really critical to allow that I could live both of those. And if I'm prepared for both, then I can live in God's blessing. Teach us the number of our days. Yes, that's the heart of wisdom. Wisdom begins there. Actually, Eric Thurman's book is about more than just retirement, as we've learned today. But it is titled Thrive in Retirement, and you'll find a link to the book at firstpersoninterview.com. Also at our website, we'll place other links provided by Eric, which you can use, including the 20-quiz self-assessment tool. All the links can be found at firstpersoninterview.com. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of First Person, allowing us to find and bring you these guests each week. 
FEBC's extensive broadcast ministry has seen remarkable results in terms of people of many cultures turning to Christ and learning His Word. Your support of FEBC is vital. Learn more at febc.org. Again, that's febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again for First Person.